The album sounds great, but you guys aren't playing fast anymore. We just had to do the purest, most natural record that we could. I think lyrically it's probably the heaviest ever. Uh, we want to show that we can do other things and still be, you know, just as heavy and have just as much energy and aggression. And we want to show people that there's a side of the band that a lot of people don't know where you know, exists, and, and we want to show people that, that there's a side to us that uh, that that is able to play music that uh, that, that interests us. You know? And uh, I mean, that's pretty much where we're at right now. Whatever comes out of us, that's what we'll put on the tape. It's not like we're out to try to just get these people to like the heavy music from Metallica or these people just like the light music from Metallica. We want to play our music. All right, we can just get into it. Um, I don't know. How did I used to introduce things? <laughs> <laughs> this is the first one back. Yeah. I, I, don't, I always love the original one. like, But I don't remember what you'd say either, so I don't know. I mean, you can say anything and then re-record it, I guess, and put something else in the beginning. Yeah. Hey, you're listening to Rock and Door Roll. I'm BJ, and... Returning again is a frequent guest in the past, in the the old days of the podcast, Fistful of Dave. Hey, Dave. Hey, BJ. And what we're doing is a sequel. Since I'm bringing the podcast back, I thought, what if I did a sequel to my most popular episode? <laughs> <laughs> and the, the most downloaded episode was the, the episode we called Sad But True, <laughs> where... <laughs> We talked about how disappointing Metallica's self-titled Black Album was, at least to us. And so I thought the sequel to that would be talking about Load and then Reload. And these are even more confusing albums, but I have to say there are some moments, especially on Load, that I like and... There are definitely a couple of songs here that I like more than, say, Holier Than Thou or Of Wolf and Man or some of the really shitty songs on the Black Album. I was surprised that I actually appreciated a couple of these songs more than some of the worst stuff on the Black Album, I have to admit. Yeah, I, these, are, this, these two are at least a little more varied, but... I'm more along the lines of I don't know if there's a whole song that I actually like, but there's parts that I'm like, this would be great if the rest was any good. So yeah, I don't. I mean, I just it's a lot of music. Uh, you know, they're they they talk about doing this as a double album. I'm like, it's not really a double album. It would be you know uh, a four album set because they're both like 80 minutes long. So yeah, I yeah, agree with that. Sure. There's not a com- there's definitely not a complete song that I like because, well, for one thing, I did a lot of complaining on the Black Album episode about James's vocals, and that's the real drawback to anything that might have potential here is the way he sings. Yeah, uh, there's a couple things where I was like, oh, this isn't bad, and then he starts 
doing his yowl thing, yowl thing over it, and it's like, oh, okay, that's not real good. So, yeah, I don't know. I've I want to blame Bob Rock. I don't know what happened with James's vocals. He he decided to do this gruffer. I can't. I don't. I don't even know how to to describe exactly what's different about the way he sings. But it starts on the Black Album, mm-hmm, and it gets sure. worse here. Yep. And yeah, the, I mean, I complained a lot about the extra syllables, but it's just really out of control and completely. It it doesn't. I don't understand the motivation. He puts so much effort into the vocal that those extra syllables just come out as a. I don't know. It's um. Do you think I, it's Bob Rock? Do you think oh, Bob I think Rock it's a was combination. like? I think he wanted to sing. And yeah. I think he felt he was barking, but I think what suffered with him deciding to sing is like I used to really like his vocal melody lines, and mm-hmm. then on the Black Elm, I'm like, what happened to the stuff that was cool? Like this isn't real cool anymore, and it gets as you said, it gets worse here. I think Bob Rock is part of the problem, but I think it's like, yeah, we want to go this way because the amount of backing vocals that are on this i i never noticed before but when i was going through i was like there's tons of backing vocals or or double track vocals that are different on it so he did do a lot with the vocals i don't think any of it works though yeah i don't know i think there's a lot of trying to be things that they're not which is is interesting because you know when they started they would do diamond head songs but they never told anybody they were covers because they wanted or at least lars did wanted everybody to think that they were metallica songs but at least with those songs, like if I listen to, you know, whatever the Prince or pick any of them, it's like, it sounds like Metallica. Um, I mean, obviously it sounds like the the Diamond Head song, but you know they made it their own. I, I think on this they're more emulating things and not making it their own. Instead, they're like taking other stuff and mixing it into whatever they think Metallica is. And then there's lots of <laughs> there's lots of talk about um, experimenting. Yeah, and. I, I don't think there's experimenting. I think if you want to call experimenting, just put different styles of music in what you're doing. I guess that's what they're doing. Uh, I mean, I view experimenting as like, okay, we're you know, I, I kind of saw the Unforgiven as experimenting because there's kind of different feels on, on the Unforgiven on, on the Black Album. And I, I, I like the idea of what they were doing with that. Um, but it was, it was, it was different. It didn't sound like anything on this. It just sounds like this is my whatever band song that Metallica, you know, Metallica's playing it, but it doesn't work because I, I don't know. It's just, it seems like they, they approach it from a different way than they did when they were uh, a younger band. Yeah. There's this uh, Rolling Stone article I found, which I think was even before the album came out. And it, cause I think that's the one, or maybe it was the guitar player one, but it had a lot of working titles where they didn't even have the songs. It seemed like the interviewer had heard the songs, but they weren't even finished yet. And, uh, you know, Kirk Kirk was saying, you can only be what the public thinks you are for so long before it becomes boring. And Lars is like, being stagnant is one thing I don't understand. You know, we already made Master of Puppets, blah, blah, blah. But <laughs> there's nothing inventive or unique or original about these songs. They're... Basically, they've stripped away every aspect of what made Metallica unique and <laughs> dumbed it down to the point that it's hardly even metal and there's none of it is thrash metal. 
but it's just basic and generic sounding. So if, if, um, by not being stagnant, they mean we don't sound like Metallica anymore. <laughs> sure. But you're certainly not doing anything impressive or innovative or anything right. like that. So, well, they, they say that like we don't, and, and it, if you were some kind of monster, there's a lot, there's, there's Lars says it a bunch of times like that's stock. Yeah, you exactly. Know, I kept thinking about that when I was listening to these songs, when I would hear but, the stock riffs and thinking about Lars going, that's well, stock. Well, that's what I like. Every time they get into a heavy riff, and it's not as, because there's obviously not as many as the mellow ones, but I'm like, every riff just sounds like either, uh, I mean, there's three things it does. It's either a half-ass version of something from uh, the Black Album. It sounds like COC's Deliverance. Or it sounds like Alice in Chains, and they just you know, but they all sound the same to me. That's the problem. It's like I can. T- it's funny because I can tell the songs apart, but it'll go into the guitar part. I'm like, yeah, there's that kind of, you know, boogie bluesy, but played like Sabbath kind of riff thing. And it, it, it that's the weird thing about it because everybody's like, oh, they're hard rock, and I'm like, no, it's metal, but it's like there's no intensity to it. That's the whole thing with me. That and it's the same thing with the uh, Black Elm. Because I actually went all the way up and listened to Saint Anger, and I'm like, not that anything's really that much better on here, but at least there's some kind of life to it. It's got an intensity. It's got a there. It feels alive. These records just kind of plod from start to finish, and they're just, it's just limp. I think it's just very blah. Yeah, that there was a quote from a Guitar Player article where it said. When it came to make load, Metallica clearly felt the need to find a new, more forward-thinking sound. And I was like, forward-thinking if you mean Godsmack and Nickelback, because yeah, that <laughs> shit was forward from here, but what the fuck is forward-thinking about this? I, I, that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, because um, th- I think that's exactly, that's the, the kind of thing... I thought too. It was just like, yeah, you're looking at, you're either looking at something that somebody made that's older or, you know, some of it's even going back, you know, there's the Ronnie or whatever that's on, which one is that on? That's on load. I don't want to hear a Southern rock Metallica song. Like, (laughs) you know, and I think this actually all goes back. Like I blame whoever it was that reviewed kill them all and said the part in uh, the four horsemen sounded like Leonard Skinner. Because it kind of does, but it doesn't at all. Like, on one hand, it's like, yeah, I get what you're talking about. On the other hand, it's not, no, that fits a song and it's fast and it's just weird. Like, here they're actually trying to be Southern rock. And I'm like, oh, it's just, it's just not good. I have this thing with bands. Like, there's sometimes bands, this is one of my theories, that you're good at something and you try something else, but they're just not good at it. Um, Yeah. And I think this is the case. I like, like I think they forgot what they're good at. Like they may like what they did, and you know I get that. I've been in bands and whatever, and it's like, you know I, I was in hardcore bands for like most of the '80s, and I got tired of it. It's like I'm tired of playing fast. I'm you know blah blah blah. Let's do something a little more, you know, varied or something like that. And I understand that completely. It's just they're not good at what they decided to do. I don't think. Yeah. Well, like I said, it's whatever was unique and special about Metallica is just not present here yeah. at all. 
not yeah. No, well, I I wouldn't say that. There are pieces where I'm like, oh yeah yeah yeah, that's that's cool. That riff is that riff is cool, but it's fleeting. Yeah, there's it goes yeah, back sure there's something good boring. riffs. I think the guitars a lot of gu- the guitars sound great. Oh yeah yeah um, yeah. I think the record sounds great. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I you know it's one of those things like these are the first. I don't know if this load was the first. Yeah, I think load is the first one where James doesn't do all the rhythm guitars. Right. And I don't know if I can tell that much of a difference, but. Uh, I well, mean, for be- my t- well, because you know James is uh, what he was really good at with his his downstrokes and you know yeah. the, the thrash metal that none of that's on this anyways. So right, no, I, exactly. But I mean, like his picking and he, I, for me, as far as you know, whatever thrash, speed metal, whatever you want to call it, he is, I think, so far above everybody. His the tightness of his the chugging and and. Uh, just the things that they would that he did, and that's all gone. There's none of, or it, it'll rear its head where he does a little bit of it or something. But generally, it's just this, you know, kind of boring bluesy rock played like a metal band riff thing. Yeah, it, I guess the one question is how do they end up here? And this is five years after the Black Album. <laughs> That's what I looked at too. I was like, they took five years and this, you know, and they wrote, I don't know, whatever, 30 songs of these and didn't complete them obviously, but, uh, cause reload was done later or finished later. Um, I, I, I seriously think what happened is I think cliff and I'm always going to go back to cliff. I think cliff had a lot to do with being like the editor and being like the voice of reason of like, yeah, that's not real good. Or, you know, that's too long because, while I guess Master might be verging on lo- songs that are a little long, they definitely did not edit themselves on on Justice. I mean, it's just everything's eight minutes long, and it goes on forever. And I know they said they want to do an extreme album, but it's just like, dude, you got to sit down and chop some of this shit out, like, or, you know, cut the amount of parts down. Like, it's just not working that long. And then I think they want to do that, the Black Elm stripped down. I, I don't know. That's what you get, and... I don't know if they knew what they were going to do after this. So they're just like, oh, we can do whatever. We can do all our other influences because yeah, I think in one of those articles, I don't remember if it was the guitar player one or the Rolling Stone one. It's like, if James and Lars are doing it, it's Metallica. Yeah. And I yeah. was kind of like, no, not not to me. And I get, I mean, millions of people bought these records yeah, and, and enjoy them. And I know obviously people love the freaking Black Elm, but it's just like, you know, every time I hear that, it's just like, even if you go to mid, like, just comparing anything to say, um, For Whom the Bell Tolls, it, it's a mid-paced song, but it's interesting, where these songs are just pretty boring. The other thing is the tempo is, it just doesn't vary much. I mean, there's right. variants of tempos, but it's pretty much mid-paced, slightly faster than that, or slightly slower than that. And it always kind of goes eventually into this little mid pace kind of, I don't know. I keep calling it blues rock, whatever, but, you know, just kind of sto- almost stoner rock, kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, that riff kind of thing. And it's like, okay, I've heard this a thousand times, but I don't know what they were trying to do. I mean, I think uh, on James and it's like listening to this, it's like there's songs that I definitely like, okay, this is what he was listening to. He's trying to do this kind of song here. He's trying to do that there. And it's just picked out of stuff in that he talked about that he liked. I'm like, oh, yeah, obviously he liked that because this is trying to be that. I would say the exception is when I listen to this, I never noticed the Allison Chains, but when I listened through this time, I thought I was going to hear more Soundgarden because of um, 
uh, Jason loves Soundgarden, but they must, you know, I kind of try to look up some Alice in Chains stuff, and there was a few things about them talking about each other that they liked each other, but nothing in depth. But I think there's a lot of uh, Alice in Chains uh, through this whole thing, but it just seems like they took those bands and we want to do varied style, but I don't know, if, you know, when you write 30 songs for an album and, you know, they think they're going to do a single album and it's 30 songs and they can't pick out of those, like, dudes, like, you know, you need an editor or, you know, somebody needs to tell you. That's one of my favorite parts of uh, uh, Some Kind of Monsters, Lars' dad telling him that it was just no good. And I'm like, <laughs> that was amazing because it's right. And he just didn't listen to him. Yeah, you brought up Cliff, and I don't know if I talked about this in the Black Album episode, but I think definitely at this point, they don't get to this point with Cliff in the band. Either Cliff would have quit the band, or they never would have gone in this direction with Cliff. But I don't see a Metallica with Cliff Burton in the band that does this kind of album. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I could see what you're saying. I could see him doing you know in this vein of like sound maybe but i can't imagine it would be this bad i never questioned this when cliff was in the band but after it it probably is more after the black elm they really don't seem to like each other yeah yeah i, I mean i think lars and james have incredibly different personalities yeah like, yeah i mean they're opposite sure yeah but it's just like even with you know even with kirk it's like they don't really seem to like each other. I mean, they talk about we're a family and all that stuff, but I'm like, you guys, like super defunctional family maybe because you just seem not to like each other. And I don't know how much of that, you know, tension, you know, sometimes that's good for a band, but maybe it's not good for, for what they did. I, I don't know. Because James, I think this is at the time where James is kind of like, this is what we're doing and running, you know, because you, you didn't really see, you know, you saw in some kind of a monster where, you know, they're trying to real james power because i mean he's the guitar player and singer like he goes you know there's no metallica pretty much so you know are they just being subservient to what he wanted at this time i have you know probably it, in a lot kind of, of ways yeah i don't think kirk I, fits in with them at all but i think kirk is just <laughs> like go with the flow let them fight it out and he'll just it's which is it's hilarious to imagine dave mustaine when you've got <laughs> Lars Ulrich, James Hetfield, and Dave Mustaine. That is an insanely combustible combination of personalities. I Dude. mean, those are three guys that are just, you know, uh, it, uh, it must be hard for all three of those guys to collaborate with someone yeah, else. I, yeah, I that had to have been insane. I yeah. mean, there's no way, regardless of, his, of uh, whether Mustaine drank too much or not, there's just no way somebody had to go. Yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. With those. Yeah. Yeah. James and, and Mustaine. I mean, yeah, that wasn't gonna, that was never going to last just because of the personalities, I think. And then Lars now, too. Lars probably can be super annoying. And James and Mustaine are two guys that probably cannot deal very well with someone who's annoying. So. Right. That's stuff I think about. Like what if Mustaine stayed, like, would it have been even better, you know, with Dave? I think, you know, whatever, there's a few riffs that, that Kirk has on some of the records, and they're fine here and there, but it seems like he's a guy they got because they knew he wouldn't rock the boat. Yeah, definitely. He's, yeah, the that's one reason the band was it was able to function is because Kirk 
just went along with whatever and did his job and you know he's and was peacekeeper a bit right like yeah. a bit of yeah and the mustaine would be none of that so <laughs> <laughs> but they yeah. i think that yeah they were that was a special combination it's just too bad it was never going to be able to work when they had mustaine but yeah i think it was right. definitely a better band but it was never going to work just because yeah. of the the personalities so. yeah the volatility i mean i think it's you know having been in bands and stuff and i don't know how anybody stands lars i'd be i yeah, quit because right. <laughs> he would drive me right up the wall like, yeah especially you're in a van for that guy and he's not shutting up and <laughs> just like dude stop talking holy shit because you know you, you're in the band and you're in this van you know they're back in whatever the ride days where they're all kind of crammed together like now they don't have to see each other if they didn't want to but man that guy on top of you in a van would be just the worst <laughs> so I guess going into these albums I expected to hear more grunge and alternative trying to be alternative than I ended up hearing um, See, I got a lot of that. Yeah. I feel that there's a lot of it. I just think it's masked because it ends up like Metallica sounding like like the Black Album. It's like I'm going to take this alternative thing, and then I'll you know I'll have a little bit of that, and then we're going to go into the Metallica part, right? The Black Album part. I think that that's there, but honestly, if you really look at it, this is just an extension with some country rock jams and maybe a little bit of alternative stuff sprinkled of like, hey, we were successful with that. Let's expand on it slightly. You know, uh, just continue with that Black Elm kind of feel, I guess, and just expand on it a little bit was what it seems like to me. Not like it's super inventive. It's just we're adding a few elements to what we did and that sold a lot. So maybe this has sold a lot and you know, I'm into that kind of this particular kind of music at this second, so I don't know. Yeah, but like you said, I, 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 I don't hear that much like Soundgarden type thing. It's all Sabbath. There's lots of yeah. you hear a lot. You still hear plenty of Sabbath and Motorhead, and also I know in, in somewhere I saw them mention Caius, which I hear, I oh, hear an influence be. of something like that for sure, and yeah, also that, that Danzig. Could... They loved Danzig, no, and the, I yeah, hear that a... too. I hear Danzig more on the Black Elm, but there's definitely uh, uh, when I think one of the songs done Reload that I'm like, this is this is the Danzig song. Yep. <laughs> um, there's definitely there's definitely a lot of COC like Deliverance and James had said how much right, you love right. that, how much you love the way those records sounded. It all sounds like something trying to sell records is the problem to me. Like nothing yeah. is like nothing's extreme or like oh this is kind of weird. I think one interesting analogy to what's happening here is the cover. And the the <laughs> dispute within the band over the cover, and uh, it's funny because at the time in the interviews, it was Jason who hated it, and James was just kind of like, "I don't care." But then later, James came out and said he hated it. I know personally, I wouldn't. I don't think I would feel real good about having some guy's jizz on my album cover. But, so um. <laughs> this is. This is the most experimental thing about the whole record. Yeah, right. <laughs> and honestly, you know, kind of, you know, you kind of get a feel for Lars's personality. I think that he has a bit of control here, and he's exerting his bit of control, right? And Kirk like, was into it, too, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I kind of like the. I'm like, yeah, this... It, it looks I think, cool. 
Yeah, I think that's the weird thing with it. It's like, we're going to have this totally fucked up thing, and if you told most people what this is, they'd have a problem with it. Yeah. So I'm like, that's the most interesting thing to me, and, you know, how much James and, and Jason, you know, didn't like it. But I think the funny thing is then James going along with it. Like, I believe it, I don't remember, because I think I read the same articles you did, uh, the guitar player and the Rolling Stone one, when they got to the reload. James kind of just was like, yeah, they need to look the same. I don't care if I hate it. Yeah. They need to look the same. I'm like, that is a weird, that is a weird take on that. Um, and yeah, and Hammett likes it. I know Hammett's into weird stuff too. And, yeah. And all that, but that and then that kind of goes to the whole thing that they they can with that with their image too. Like, you know, they think everybody doesn't like them anymore because they cut their hair. And I'm like, I don't, I don't care. I don't care that Kirk's got hair plugs. I don't care. The music isn't good. It has nothing to do with black fingernails or you cut your hair. You're smoking a cigar. I don't care about that. It just what you made isn't real good. Yeah, yeah, it, that was the, the. It seems more than anything it was the press trying to make something out of them, cutting their hair. Um, yeah, I think yeah, I would say that's that's probably we're gonna go with this angle and 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 who knows that could be a PR thing on the Metallica end too, like make a big deal that we cut her hair. Yeah, yeah, like it's just some kind of contra make make controversy out of this. But I was like, I, who cares if they cut their hair? I don't, you know, they're sitting around the table or whatever the hell with the c- cigars. And, you know, we get, you know, obviously it's a little more personal on the lyric side, which I think are awful. I enjoyed his lyrics before because of whatever they are. But I think once they get outside of that, his lyrics aren't very good either. But um, holy shit. Yeah. The lyrics on these are horrible, mostly. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. They, they seem to genuinely like what they were doing and super defensive about it. But it's like one of these things, like, uh, these records sold more, well, maybe not, uh, I think they all sold more than, like, even Justice. I think Uh, Load is 5 million. Yeah. Something. So, they, I mean, they sold tons of records with this stuff, so people obviously liked it for whatever, (laughs) you know, it's easily to consume, it's not as challenging musically as, uh, like, Justice is a rough listen from the mix to the songs are eight minutes long and it's fairly dissonant in places and it's dark and, you know, not that this hasn't, you know, trying to be dark or whatever, but uh, it's definitely a lot more palatable to more people than than anything they had done before uh, the Black Album. I also thought it was funny. One of the articles out there, it was talking about how they were going to do Lollapalooza. And, yes, uh, Yes. None of the other guys seemed to even know what Lollapalooza was, and Kirk had been to every Lollapalooza and had <laughs> jammed on stage with multiple bands. You know, I thought that was hilarious. That showed, that also showed how different Kirk was from the rest of the guys. Yeah, I think Kirk is definitely a lot more open to that stuff. Yeah. I, um... Hey, Hoser. <laughs> oh, that was my phone. <laughs> Sorry. <What>? Awesome. <laughs> That's. That's my um, take off, eh? My notification that I got a text. <laughs> That's right. That's amazing. The <laughs> uh, uh, Yeah, I I think Kirk is definitely up more adventurous. Well, I guess we could get into these songs. I'm looking at if I had anything else to bring up in my notes. Um, the only thing I had, I had some stuff uh, that. So the Black Elm, so Metallica was always renowned for their covers, cover versions of songs. Yeah. And 
And I think the last good one, which is right before the Black Album, or maybe during the Black Album, was Queen Stone Cold Crazy, which was on the Rubiot Electra mm-hmm. thing initially. I think that's like the last good Metallica cover. After that, I don't know what the hell happened, I but know. like all of that stuff on that Garage Incorporated is just like the Merciful Fate and Sabbath. Like it's limp. It sounds like it sounds like Load, and it sounds like Black Album to me. And it's like, where's the fire? Where's where's the Metallica? Besides that, it sounds like Load and whatever. They're just very, you know. And then they did the Turn the Page, Ugh. and and they did the Nick Cave song, Whiskey um, in the Jar. So horrible. Every time it comes on, I'm like, just play the Thin Lizzy version. Would you just play the Thin Lizzy version? Because this is terrible. But Turn the Page is awful. The Nick Cave song's terrible. Oh, Turn the Page is a nightmare. Yeah. When I stopped liking, you know, Black Elm, that thing, they stopped being good at anything as far as I was concerned. Like, the covers weren't even good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because I, I love Garage Days. Really love it's it. It's amazing. Yeah. But I, I think there's a couple on it. Number one, that is their best sounding record, I think, yeah. out of anything they've ever done. And part of it is they did it in like two weeks. It's like you guys, I think part of Metallica's problem is like you spend too much time doing shit. I, and I think that comes across like Justice. Blackout and everything since is overworked. Like they spent way too much time beating the shit into shape instead of just being like, let's fire this thing off. Um, but anyways, I just I I that's one thing I wanted to bring up was the cover thing because it was just like, yep, everything just went south. There was nothing good that I enjoyed. Yeah, it's true, and I loved. Yeah, I loved all their early covers. Yeah, yeah. So when when I put this album on. I had load. never really much listened to it before. And the load when, record? That's where we're going on first, yes, obviously. Yeah, and when Ate My Bitch started, I actually was liked it. <laughs> I, <laughs> I liked it. Even the, I like the verses. It's just you know the chorus sucks. I don't like the ain't my bitch part and you know bitch. You know he's well, got to do that shit. Yeah, I'm gonna say this a bunch of times. Like their choruses, like the pre-chorus would usually be yeah possibly the most interesting part. But the choruses are always just well, it's a two by chorus in that way. But a lot of the choruses are just them, just James yelling out the title of the song. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, right. Hook, there's nothing. He just yells the title, and then it's, right. they do it once, and it goes into like on "Ain't My Bitch." It goes into that kind of like the part that's kind of thrashy, that that fast chugging part, and then it goes back into it. This, I mean, this for me is one that sounded the most like this. It could have been on the Black Album, and who would have known? You know what I mean? I would say that this is my favorite song on either of these albums there's maybe two-thirds of it that i actually like <laughs> but i don't i don't know if it's my favorite but i definitely it's the one i remember the most out of all of these songs yeah but. i mean it's got i i love the music i think the music is great on this song pretty yeah much. it's because yeah this kind of incorporates a little more of that dissonance kind of uh justice kind of a riff into it 
I mean, it's definitely more simple than than some of that stuff. Yeah. I think that's some of the stuff I also miss. Metallica's riffs aren't always complex, but the combination of the riff and the the two guitar parts put together make it sound really complex. And all of that's just out the window because it's the same guitar part pretty much. You know, the riff is the riff. There's not like any counterpoint or any of that kind of thing going on in these where there is on the older stuff. And I think that's part of what they stopped doing that I like, that the, the interplay of the riff kind of like making it move a little more. They, everything is just kind of, you know, this 4-4 four, four bluesy kind of, and, and this one's obviously a little more dissonant, but yeah. I think this, yeah, I would agree. I don't know if I necessarily say I would like the song, but it, it's more memorable. So I am not a fan of Kirk Hammett's solos, and there's like a slide solo in this, and it is so fucking bad. <laughs> it's like embarrassingly bad. I'm like, a lot of the solos on this whole record are embarrassingly bad. I mean, I don't know if it's when the songs are faster, it's easier to swallow his wah-wah craziness, but the solo on this is awful. Now, when we go into the next song, this, there's really nothing about it I like, personally. So two this is four. the first, yeah, this is, 2 by 4 is the, this is a COC song, Corrosion Conformity, song from Deliverance, reinterpreted, you know, James wanting to write a COC song from Deliverance. It's exact, I mean, but not good. I mean, I'm not the, I like COC, the, the, the Sabbath-y stuff, I prefer their early hardcore stuff, but... Uh, it's definitely a million times better than this. Like, you know, it's one of those things like, yeah, COC did this better. They give them the money for this <laughs> that you made off this because it's it's this is just directly lifted from from COC, the whole song. Yeah, come on, come on. Make my yeah, I hadn't thought about that. I love Blind, but I never really much listened to the albums after that. Yeah, the chorus of this song is terrible, I think. I'm trying to even remember what it is. and <laughs> Well, there's like... Well, there's two different parts to it, I guess. There's the 2 by 4 part, but then there's the part before that that's kind of like the, the Alice in Chainsy part, or whatever, oh, yeah, if I remember yeah, yeah. right. So the next song, the host that Jack built, there's some Alice in Chains yep. in this one. I have heavy riff on the verse is cool but basic. And then I don't like the chorus at all. And, you know, Jack built that. You know, it's always this, <laughs> always that. What is that thing called again? I know you looked at it. Oh, up yeah. Paragoge or something it was. But yeah, you're yeah. right. I mean, if you look at the chorus of Ain't My Bitch, he just yells, Ain't My Bitch, uh, and this he yells, The House That Jack Built, uh. I mean, it's right. just... <laughs> They're all the same. Yeah. 
Yeah, I got for this one, this is where the grunge alt-rock creeps in and yeah. Alice in Chains. This is, you know, one of the ones that's, you know... I think there's just... To me, like, listening to the vocals... <laughs> and you might not think it sounds like Alice in Chains, but I think as much as it may not sound like it, it's trying to it's trying to get that effect of those, you know, Cantrell and uh, what's-his-butt... Um, singing together but it's james doing both of right. the vocal parts so it's really like it's weird it doesn't work real well i don't think no that nothing works about this song Non-stop, stupid, like, 15-year-old journaling. I mean, it's crazy. You know, what people think grunge is is a lot of complaining <laughs> about stuff like that. Yeah, and that's what like, Kiss did on Carnival of Souls. It's right. Like, and it's just like, again, this is not something you're good at. And I get that James' life has been fucked up or whatever the hell, but... Sure. It, it, right, like... But again, that's another thing. Like, oh, well, everybody's singing these personal lyrics. I'm going to sing personal there's lyrics. There's a better way to write about it than just, yeah. I want to die... <laughs> I I hate myself and everyone else. I mean, there's there, you know. So the next song, until it sleeps, is this is the Unforgiven two of this album because <laughs> it's a. It's like arrangement wise and kind of vibe wise, it's got elements of Unforgiven just yeah. m- missing all the, the good parts. But um, I, I would say that. I, I say this is just more just influenced by whatever alt rock grunge stuff going on. There's a super crappy fretless bass piece <laughs> going on, and it's just like, I don't like. There's very few people that can play fretless bass that, ha- that don't make it sound like, I don't know, I hate it. But there's that little weird thing that, you know, it go, it's in the until it sleeps part, the chorus part. Yeah. Um, and then there's like a chorusy guitar in the mellow part that's like, oh, I heard that Nirvana song with the chorusy guitar. Let's put that on here, kind of a thing. So I, I don't know. I, it seems like it's just lifting stuff. Like, oh, this was an idea. I like this idea off of this record. Let's incorporate that in what we're doing, and for not a real good reason. Yeah, it's got the it's got the modern rock type feel but also i hear like queensreich like silent lucidity and stuff in it too well Um, i think that's partly because they're while they're i think that goes with what i'm saying about like moving into the next thing while they're trying to do 90s type stuff they're still kind of stuck in the 80s because uh, you know of what they're from and i think that's that's probably why that it does probably why it doesn't work as much as they're like they're not completely committing to the new sound so there's a lot of this old stuff that's sitting around and it doesn't really work together. Yeah. There's a definite catchiness to it where you can understand why this would be a radio hit or something. Mm-hmm. You can hear that. I mean, uh, I don't I don't like it and the lyrics are just really dumb. Don't want your grip. Don't want 
Won't you agree? I think you can. I mean, we could go through this whole thing, and his vocals are just shit yeah. on almost every single part. Yeah. I think there's one. There's a couple things I like that he did. Two or three, maybe, out of whatever. There's 27 songs, and it's not a whole song. It's like a part. I'm like, that's good. So the next song, King Nothing. I what I wrote down is the guitars sound great. It could be a Stone Temple Pilot song. Yeah, like it, this song is way better than Two by Four or something. I I wouldn't say I I don't hate this song. There's good elements to it. It's, yeah, it's one of the better songs I would say. So this is uh, this one. I actually, one of the ones I have more stuff. Like yeah, I think is it the chorus because it's just King Nothing again. But this like yeah, the pre-chorus right. <laughs> thing, right? Yeah, the, which is good. Yeah. But I so I'm listening to this and I'm like, holy shit. It goes. The song goes on for over a minute until vocals start, and then the chorus doesn't happen until the song's half over. It's like two and a half minutes before you even get to the chorus, and the song's like half over. I'm like, that's the best part of the song, and you made me wait two and a half minutes to get to it. Mm-hmm. And I like the chorus. It's like, let's do like shit. You know, the whole "Don't bore us, get to the chorus" thing. Like, just do that more times, and the song would have been way better. But you made me wait two minutes to get to it. Two and a half minutes. Yeah. So yeah, I'm with you on that. The chorus is is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. This, yeah, the, that's that whole descending thing, right? Yeah. That yeah, that part is actually that's one of the better parts on this record. All the ones you So the next song, Hero of the Day, my first note is Metallica do Pearl Jam. Oh, that's... Okay, that's good. This is a pop song. I have... So, yeah, I have... This is where the country shit starts ringing its ugly head to me, that the, the, the little bit of the twanginess going on. And then immediately after it, the song is pretty pop. It is. It's pretty much... A, they're trying to... I think it's almost trying to like, oh, we're going to have a radio song. This is... Yeah, and not maybe not that they were trying, but you know they're doing different stuff, and this is definitely, I think, radio oriented. Yeah, I hate this song. It's horrible, yeah. wretched. It's awful. I don't like it, but this is similar to "Until It Sleeps." You're like, I hear how this would be a radio song for sure. Yeah, you no, know, for sure. No, I yeah, I get that. I just I think it's well, I part. His vocal, I think his vocal, like he does that kind of clean vocal thing, and that's terrible. I it's wrote down, terrible. this is Metallica's Just a Boy. <laughs> <laughs> and also, yeah, there's a lyric in this song, excuse me while I tend to how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, holy yeah. shit. What the? I, didn't, I, I listened to some of the lyrics, and I'm like, I can't even do it. They're just horrible. So I, I mean, did James write that? That, that line is worse than having jizz on the cover. <laughs> Easy. 
Alright, so then we move into Bleeding Me, which is over eight minutes long. Um, I have that the, the first five minutes are horrible, boring blues garbage. And then I, this song, it, I have it has the Into the Void segue. So it, yes. it's exactly like Into the Void. Yes. <laughs> yeah. funny because this is something i rip off in songs it's, and it comes from sabbath megadeth does this a ton too where it's like two songs kind of fused together right but that's what i have it's like at 448 when that riff comes in i'm like where the hell has this been because this is great and and that riff matched with the chorus i think works really well i'm like this should have been the whole song not that first four minutes and 48 seconds of whatever the hell's happening i actually I bought this song like by iTunes because I like that part so much, uh, and then I made an edit of it where it doesn't happen. <laughs> right. So I can just listen to that part I like. Yeah, I mean, at least the intro part of Into the Void is good. Now is when the album just goes straight down the fucking toilet as if it has been which, bad up to this point <laughs> which is funny because again i uh, bring up the thing like i re- i bought this album the day it come out i know one to seven like yep i know those songs starting with cure i have i'm like i don't remember this shit at all i mean i know i've heard these late like i heard mama said and ronnie later like just out in the wild somewhere hearing it but I had this and I don't remember these songs like I don't remember being like this fucking sucks and I I swear I must have got to bleeding me and said fuck this I'm done (laughs) yeah 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 well all I have about Cure is that it's it's not it's James doing Danzig and it's a generic bore that's all I and I don't really remember how this song goes yeah I don't remember but this is one of the the Allison Chains dual vocal things where, and I don't remember which one this is. If it's just him doing, you know, doing harmony with himself, or if there's the dis- he gets. There's a couple places where there's a distorted vocal he uses, which is also ripped right. Off from, yeah, the distorted from stuff is bad. Yeah, yeah, it's just more of that dual vocal thing. This song is so unmemorable. I and I listened to it probably an hour before I went through kind of sampling everything. I'm like, I need to be fresh. I don't remember what the hell this song. Sounds no, I like. can't remember. The next song, the song title itself is so bad. Poor Twisted <laughs> Me. Yeah, it's just so weird with them. I used to love their song titles. Yeah. And <laughs> and they're so bad. Like, we're going to get to the worst one on the next record. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, I think. But, but yeah, they're bad. And this, this one for me, again... It sounds like I listen, I'm going to write a COC Deliverance song. Okay. It has distorted vocals, which are exactly like on mm-hmm. Deliverance. There's parts with the distorted vocals. He sings it exactly like Pepper does on the COC record. So, but it's not good. I like again. If you want to hear that something a good version, this go listen to Deliverance. Oh, 
It's funny because I have in my notes probably the worst song in the album, but I think there's some competition coming up <laughs> for that title. Um, the next song, Wasting My Hate, another horrible title, dumb lyrics, generic song. Uh, there's, one, there's one lyric, good day, how do, and I send a smile to you. <laughs> I don't know what the hell's going on. I, I think I like the initial riff on this song, but again, I can't place it, and I, I listened to it right before this. Um, yeah, I think it's... I, is it kind of punky, almost? Yeah, it's or? kind of a... I think the first... The, and I don't think they ever go back to it after the beginning. Or maybe they do, like, after the, the middle eight or whatever part, but that was kind of interesting, but after that it's like an alt rock version this is this is where i get into my like we took a black elm song and there's all this alt rock on there so we're gonna play a black elm song if it was an alt rock song Yeah, wasting my hate. <laughs> wasting my time. <laughs> and, yeah, and the next song is Mama Said, which, I don't know. Huh. I mean, I don't like Nothing Else Matters very much, but at least it has melodies and stuff. At least, I mean, this this doesn't, I don't know. I mean, obviously, you know the kind of song they're doing here, but it, it never really, it it never really amounts to anything. Now, this song goes nowhere. It's yeah. terrible. It's countryist garbage. Ideally, I could say this is the worst title for a Metallica song ever, <laughs> except for I like the other one. The other one bothers me more. This is just like, if someone came to you and said, hey, there's a Metallica song called Mama Said, you'd be like, fuck you. Why, why would they have a song? <laughs> Even knowing these records, you'd be like, you're full of shit. It just it doesn't make any sense. Uh, again, and there's a little bit of the Nick Cave thing that comes into this and country, and it just it's not good. It doesn't go anywhere. It's probably about his Christian scientist mom, right? Is that what? Yeah. I, you know, I, I it's funny because I'm not a huge whatever, nothing else matters fan, but Jesus Christ, at least that song does something. Yeah, no, this exactly. That's stuff. exactly what I was saying. It's, at least nothing else matters is a well-constructed song with melodies, whereas this is a half-finished song that never really pays off anywhere. Well, and I think this is part of the thing you get into, like, dude, this record should be eight songs long. Yeah. Wild blood in my veins Apron the strings around my neck The mark that still remains So if we move on to the next song, it's another truly awful song title. <laughs> Thorn Within. Oh, Thorn and the riff from Sex Type Thing by Stone Temple Pilots is actually in this song. Dumb lyrics, shitty melodies, maybe the worst song in the album. That's that's what I have. I don't. I can't say I remember much about it. I, I think this is another one where the chorus is Thorn Within. Or he just yells it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I got this is just like Black Elm with some COC worship going on. Uh, I'm with you. I don't exactly remember what the hell's happening on this song, but uh, like I said, after seven, 
I have no idea what the fuck's happening on this record. It just there's, I, it just could go away for all I care. I think I mean, it's more on I... Reload where there's there's a few songs where I'm trying to figure out what song I'm hearing. Like in this song, I picked up on that sex type thing riff. So the next song, Ronnie, is has a real, real like '70s rock feel to it, but this, yeah, this I, one can just fuck off. Yeah, well, sucks. it's because James can't sing a song like this. I think that's well, it goes back to the trying too hard, thinking too much thing. But I think it's he, he was good at what he did yep. in the thrash metal era. He's not good at this yeah. as far no, as this the is... singing goes. Yeah, this is like Leonard Skinner or what? Pick some southern rock, seventy southern rock song. The last song, Outlaw Torn. I wrote. This is the worst song on the album. <laughs> <laughs> This is the I think this is the biggest uh, Alice in Chains sounding one if I remember, um, and then I just have not good written next to it. Yeah, I don't know. It's I, I'm so worn out. I mean, two reasons that you have. Uh, you know, we've not come to a part that's been good since Bleeding Me, right? And I'm on song 14 that of songs that are probably all about five six minutes long at least. So it's like I'm bored out of my brain. I just want to I want to turn it off is where I was, you know, it's kind of and, and this even happens with albums I like. It's like, dude, it's just it's overload. I don't need this much. I'll go back and re-listen to the record if I like it that much. You know, you don't need to wear me out with, you know, 80 minutes of music. Well, this song is 10 minutes long and they talk about how they cut 2 minutes from it to fit it <laughs> on the album. And there's nothing about this song that merits being 2 minutes long. Yeah, no, so, that's, a, that's a lot of garbage. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. We got more to do. We oh got a whole other record. <laughs> Reload, <laughs> which came out of what? More than a year later, about a year later. About a year later. Here's here's what I'm going. I I'm going to I, and I'm going to say this for sure. Is as much as I'm going to say things about other songs. This is my most hated Metallica song ever. I despise it. It's like NASCAR bullshit limp anthem. It's like fast but weak. At the same time, this is the absolute worst Metallica song ever, which is Fuel. It's fucking horrible. <laughs> I hate it. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. This makes me want to, uh, like, just throw all of my Metallica records out. It's so bad. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. And it gets used for, yeah, I think it got used for NASCAR. But it gets used, like, in stadiums. And I'm like, oh, my God. It's so, for being an up-tempo song, it is so weak. And the chorus, holy shit. Yuck. All right, yeah, I'm done. Yeah, it's... Um, <laughs> I have that the verses are annoying. I could see how the chorus is catchy, but, it I mean, it doesn't work for me. It, it more, it's, it's more about the vocals than anything, though. 
Yeah, the intro with Gimme Fuel, Gimme Fire, Gimme yeah. That was like, oh, I'm done. Gimme Fuel, Gimme Fire, Gimme That Which I Desire. I'm gonna, I was done <laughs> at that part. Gimme Fuel, Gimme Fire, Gimme That Which I Desire. And then it went on. Like, yeah. I, oh man, I can't stand this song. Like, we could end this whole, like, this is, this is everything that's wrong with Metallica at that period in time is Fuel. So the next song, the memory remains. Um, well, what I had never even put together is this is a song about an aging actress. Is that yes. what this is about? Yes. And then they get married. <laughs> why? Beautiful. Right, right, right. Yeah. I why? I don't know. Why would they? Why would? Why is this the topic Metallica is going to tackle? <laughs> it's like. I don't know. It's a very strange thing that they wrote a song about. Uh, it's weird. It's weird. This one is like, uh, this is like, oh, this is like, oh, we write songs like the Black Elm. Not that, you know, this is another one of those like, I, okay, we make this kind of music now songs for me. And then there's a, like an, an Allison Chain's vocals again uh, that happened on this. I don't, I don't remember if it's, if it's just, if, the, if it's the harmonized vocals or whatever's happening on this one. But then we get to the worst part of it, the which Marianne is the Faithful fucking warbling by Marianne Faithful. Like, you know, I so before I heard the song, I heard about this. Like, oh, she's in it. I'm like, huh, maybe they did something interesting with it. And no, it's just a it's just a regular ass Metallica song for this time with the with her warbling over a, like just jammed into it. It's like it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that all of a sudden she starts doing the la di da thing or whatever. Right. It's so weird. It doesn't work. I don't. No. This is probably the out of these two albums. This is probably the song that would have fit the the best on like modern rock radio at the time, like alternative. Or sure. Yeah, I'd buy that. And I guess this did get a lot of play. I think. Oh yeah, it was pretty big. Yeah. And again, memory. Yeah, remains. exactly. Everything stopped. And the music stopped, and he yells the title. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. But it's probably better than the next song, "Devil's Dance," which oh. is complete nonsense just complete nonsense i don't know what else to, it's there's no melody even to it it's and this is the one where he thinks he's danzig this is a danzig song yeah it's, it's just definitely not, a danzig I, title <laughs> right oh yeah, yeah yeah i think it's everything the title like you know this is like one of those like i'm gonna want to do a danzig type type thing and then they do the song like well let's just go f-, and it it's kind of like ronnie it's like hey i'm gonna do this country thing what do we call it? let's call it something obvious ronnie you know what I mean? Like that that fits. It's like too dead on for what the song is. And that's, I think, the same thing with this one. It's like, I'm going to write a Danzig song. Let's call it Devil's Dance. Yeah, that's right the fuck on the nose. Let's do that. And they think they're being so inventive. And it's like, you guys don't even seem like you're trying on stuff like this. It doesn't seem like they're trying. Which, speaking of not trying, the next <laughs> song... 
is so completely pointless that it's baffling. It's just an inferior reinterpretation that ruins what was good about the song. Everything that's good about the original Unforgiven is just ruined by the song. Yeah. Okay, next up is what what what's next? Better than Better you? than you. Okay. Yeah, this was my favorite song on this album. I I have the guitar sound great and there's reasonable hooks in this song. It's a Sabbath riff on the chorus. I'm ch- Yeah. Yeah, I remember how this goes. I kind of I mean, again, I don't like the vocals, but I kind of liked this. This was definitely for me the song that had like the best song structure. I didn't write a whole lot about this, and I don't remember what it sounds like now. Uh, I kind of remember. <laughs> I it, like I just it's like an alt rock kind of you know black album jam, if I recall correctly. Yeah. And this is, I mean, and I know we've talked about it already, but this is where I was just like, he just grunts the freaking name of every song for the chorus, and this is another one of them. Even though I can't remember how the chorus goes, but I wrote it down, so it must be true. So this one, even with the title, is is for me an Alice in Chains song. Right, right. Um, yeah, and it's got the distorted, distorted yeah. vocals. Like the intro sounds like Alice in Chains, and then it goes into the you know the Metallica rock thing. The what I always call the Black Album rock thing uh, happens, and then uh, oh, the I verse, remember this. The verse is an you know Alice in Chains, uh, uh, a Chains chorus kind of thing. So. I have that James, this is his most hair metal vocal. Isn't this the one where he's saying, like, ooh and stuff in the verse? Oh, I don't remember. Yeah. You're going to have to go listen. You're going to have to put a snippet in here. I think I think this is uh, the highest he sings, if I remember right. And I think this is the one that where you kind of hear Enter Sandman in it. Yeah, I think that's the generic black album verse part. Right, right. And then the I have it has a lame grunge bridge. <laughs> I yeah, can't so I, really remember though. <laughs> yeah, I have a, 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 I Allison Change AIC is written about four times on this song, so I'm pretty sure that like this is the one that just sounds like Allison Chains and then we're gonna jam a Metallica part in here and then go back to Allison Chains. And so, then it's called Slither, and I don't know. Isn't there a Velvet Revolver, Revolver song called Slither? That could be. That may be what I'm thinking of, not Alice in Chains. But it, it seems like it could be an Alice in Chains song name. So the next one has to be the title you were talking re- re- yes, referring to. Yes, this is the worst. <laughs> yeah. I would have been all right if they left the baby off, but once you get the baby, nope. So yeah. terrible. It's it's like trying to be, cl- you know, it's that whole spinal tap thing. There's a fine line between clever and stupid. It's so bad as a title of a song. What were they thinking? Got pity on the baby. 
I think they thought that it was clever and 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 interesting. And holy yeah. shit, the lyrics. So take this world and shake it. Come squeeze and suck the day. What the fuck? <laughs> Attempt at being introspective and and brooding and interesting. So the next song, Bad Seed, yeah, maybe I should have listened to this this album at least more than once. But, I listened um, to it a bunch of times, and I did this one, well, I was expecting this to be the Nick Cave ripoff, just like, because it's called Bad Seed, <laughs> yeah. but it's not, but it more sounds like, because here's another band, and I was expecting actually more of this, but um, James also really likes the Deaf American Trouble records, and that's what this one kind of sounds like hmm. and then again there's the AI, uh, the Allison Chains kind of vocal thing going on and then grunting out the freaking song title for the chorus right well I fucking love the Deaf American Trouble albums and I wish this was as good <laughs> as that well but I think that's the same thing like and I don't think COC Deliverance t- like dude that self-titled Trouble record is possibly one of my favorite metal records ever um, and is amazing. So I love um, Manic Frustration too. That's what it's called, right? Yeah, Manic Frustration's good. I that love that other one, dude. That, like, I think start to finish that self-title one though. Holy it's fucking great. shit! Yeah. But they don't. You know, it's like again, it's like them trying to be something they're not. It's like trying to be Sabbath, or you know, or trying to be Coc. It's like, and, and obviously James likes that thing. It's just they're not real. Like they're good at what they created. You know what they took out of the new wave of British heavy metal. And then, okay, I'm going to downpick the shit out of this thing. And, you know, it's the same melody and same thing. But the way I play it is Metallica. And that's just, now he's trying to play like Sabbath or Trouble or COC. And it's just, it's not good. It's just, it's not there. Yeah, I wrote, as opposed to paint by numbers, this is riff by numbers. And there's a lyric in this, pierce the apple skin. I mean, what the fuck is he talking about? I am so glad I did not look at the lyrics. Well, and that's where the bad seed metaphor comes. He says, pierce the apple skin and then something about a bad seed. But what? That is such a pathetic attempt at like a metaphor. It's crazy. Well, so the next song, uh, named after Shel Silverstein. Yep book and so i have allison chains verse king's x chorus that's what i i know they like king's x too i think and that's kind yeah. of what i heard on the chorus of this i but. got i got yeah i this all grunge you know black album more allison chains vocals 
I wrote, I don't hate this as much, so I must have thought I could actually, I may have sat through this whole one. I mean, what, be, be what that meant. I think it's at least melodic. <laughs> this one doesn't have a part where the music stops and he goes, where the wild things are! <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> The next song, Prince Charming, I know one thing about this is there's there's some new wave of British heavy metal yep. riffs yep. In, in here. Totally. Yep. Yeah. So that I liked, but the vocals and lyrics suck. So. Yeah, and I, I, I'm like, I, my first thought when I saw the title was like, this would be, it would be at least amusing if it was a cover of the Adam and the Ants song, Prince Charming. It would at least be funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, th- you know, I got into it. I, there's, there is that kind of fast, boogie-ish, no wave of British heavy metal. I'm like, that's kind of cool that that's still there, uh, you know, which kind of made it a, a, a little more charming to me because, I, you know, I like so much that, that new wave of British heavy metal stuff. The verse is generic black album stuff. And, uh, again, the freaking wah of Kirk Hammett breaks again. <laughs> I'm going to stick it up his ass. It's the worst. Just, like, stop, dude. Like, do something. It's, your solos aren't interesting at all. They're just, wah, 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 you know, with the wah going on. They're all the same. And some pentatonic thing. It's, just, it's poop. The next song I just wrote, Metallica do the Pogues. No one was asking for this. <laughs> uh, this the, I had. This is the Nick Cave song that I right, right, that right, I thought right, yeah. Bad Seed was initially. Little Man's lyric. Yeah, it's yeah, <laughs> it's got the title. It, you know, he's really in. You know, I think a lot of the lyrics are probably copped from Nick Cave stuff, and I'm not that much of a I know, person on I Nick I never Cave, really listened to Nick Cave much But I, 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 I think there's a lot of that brooding stuff. It's, I gotta it's, think Nick Cave writes much better lyrics than no, this. No, 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 no, I mean, that's part of what everybody likes about him, but I think... James is trying James to do that, him, right? But yeah. it's just not. Yeah. It's not I mean, it's just, it doesn't fit. It, it doesn't work. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, oh, it's so I got, bad. I got, I got somebody save me written at the end of this one. <laughs> Where is Bob Rock? Where is whoever? Somebody say no. So the next song, Attitude, I wrote great guitar. I like the opening riffs, but stock. Versus immediately lame. Oh, yeah. This is the one where it sounds like SOS, too bad, the Aerosmith song in the chorus. And James loves Aerosmith. Yeah. This song has a complete lack of attitude in it. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to make a song <laughs> attitude, yeah, right. let's have it. And it's not. It's wimpy. It's light. It's limp. 
And it's if you talk, like you said, stock. It's a generic Metallica song at this period in time. It's just, right. yep, that's Metallica. Yeah, I just I wrote strikes me as completely uninspired. Again, I think you get to this point. You got thirteen songs on this record. Cut some off. Like attitude would be fine as a B side. Well, I wouldn't be fine as a B side, but there's no reason that that's on the record. I mean, there's no reason you're probably past eight or nine songs you know yeah on this again it's just we've got 30 ideas and we're gonna put them all on record because metallica is famous for like every song we've written is on a record there's no outtakes right mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so like did they they wrote 30 songs or 27 songs and they felt like they needed to stick them on Last song is over eight minutes long. Fixer with three X's. <laughs> uh, is it three? I only put two. Shit. I think it's three. Because I copied and pasted this from Wikipedia. All the song. But... <laughs> yeah. Well, I just I wrote. I swear we've heard this song five times already on these albums. I it's just it's yeah. by this point it all sounds the same. Yeah, I think the weird thing when I I did get this, like at least Low Man's lyric, like okay, that's different. The last two, I was like, why? Why are these even on here? Because they don't do anything. I think Fixer's better than Attitude because I think it's got a Sabbathy trouble COC thing going in. But then James starts singing and just shits all over it. I mean, his vocals wreck a lot of... I don't know if any of the stuff's real good, but it definitely doesn't... His vocals do nothing to make anything better. His vocals are the worst part about yeah. these albums, for sure. But that's pretty important. I mean, if you don't, if you yeah. don't like... For me, if I don't like the, the singer, how do I like the song? I don't know. just a real lack of understand like knowing where they're going having a good idea and so a lot of times you know having whatever done music and granted i am not anywhere near their level but you know i did art and stuff and it is i think it's really hard when you have a blank canvas and no rules that there's no you know like if you set yourself a bunch of parameters it's like okay i at least have an idea of what i'm working with here right and i think they just like let's do everything and they didn't they didn't really set limits on things or like we need to do this and you know whittle that like you know <clears throat> maybe take these two albums of songs and you can get I don't know eight good ones out of it maybe but like instead of working for five years on it and coming up with 30 songs like let's do it but I don't think they're but I don't even think they're capable of doing that that they just they don't know it's just everything's good to them and it's like oh this is like different is good they did. They talked so much about posers in the '80s, and they had this real 
cynical attitude about other bands and stuff. Yes, yeah. And, you know, James Hetfield in 1985 would have made fun of so much of this of these albums. He would have just laughed at them and made fun of it, you know? I think Lars, too, just knowing yeah. what Lars liked. Yeah. I mean, um... But James seemed like the one who was real cynical about everybody. Well, Lars was the one throwing darts at Kip Winger, right? But, <laughs> but I mean, you know, if I wish you could take, I wish you could just have the guys in Metallica sitting there in like 1983 and play Hero of the Day for them and see how they would, how yeah, much this, they would make fun of it. <laughs> this is you in the future, like, like here, well, not even tell it, just play it for them and say, "What do you play think of this?" Man. And they would all say it was complete garbage and make fun of it. So, yeah, this is you in the future. Then that's when you say it. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's just you know. I, I said on the black one. I when Metallica when Kill 'Em All came out, I actually had. Uh, I didn't have the uh, the the No Life to Leather record, um, but I did have the KUSF, which was a live. You know, like. Oh, uh, college stations will do like a live thing, and they recorded that for a demo, and that that was the lineup of Mustaine, mm-hmm. uh, Burton, uh, Lars, and, and and James, and that was amazing. And then I got Kill 'Em All, and I saw the picture. I'm like, these dudes, these are my. This is my band. Like, it's not like Sabbath, and I love Sabbath, and it's one of my favorite bands. But I didn't, you know, I felt like it was like, oh, this came out in my. This is a band I found, right? Right. And I think that's a lot of what happens with people that, that, you know, they're complaining about people. The old fans don't like the new stuff. But I think there's a lot of people that are like, this is new. This is great. This is mine. And you get overly attached to it. So, like, I always check out every Metallica album because I'm, like, hopeful that, oh, it's I know it's in there. I know they can do it. Just will they do it? Or, you know, can they be? And the last two records have had pieces that are probably as good as I can expect of what they're going to, to be able to do. But I, I always have that hope that they're going to do. And I just get, you know, I was mad at the black on this. I was like, yeah, I guess this is, this is what happens. And uh, this, uh, this makes sense for what comes after it, but uh, it's just, it's, it's a bummer. I think. Yeah, that's true. Sadly, this is probably what I was expecting after the black album. But when these came out, I paid no attention and never even listened to them at the time. Oh. Well, that, again, like I said, I bought Load. Day it came out, I am guessing I listened to Up to Bleeding Me, and I went after... I bought it at lunch when I was at work, uh, and after work, I took it and sold it. <laughs> yeah, back when you could actually sell a CD. <laughs> and then, you know, you have everything that happens after this. Like, I think, you know, the, after the Black Elm, I... I think the surprising thing after these two records and St. Anger is that they're not on the state fair circuit. (laughs) Yeah. Because they did enough harm, I think, with the stuff. And, like, you know, obviously they didn't sell the amount of records here. St. Anger, people hated that record. Um, Yeah, I I thought it was horrible. Well, I mean, I think, think, and I think they know because you get Death Magnetic after that which is at least an attempt to be the old stuff. And then they did Lulu, and then you at least have half a record on, um, what's the... Uh, Hard Hard to Self-Destruct has some good songs, yeah. Yeah, it has some good songs. Half of it half of it kind of harkens back to the Black Elm kind of stuff, but there's some good stuff on there. But I think they realized that, like, 
I don't want to be on the state fair circuit. Right. But they still play, like, they. I mean, Fuel still gets played. I, and I, I guess it's a popular song, but, like, uh, I don't know. It, this seemed like a, a long way. I mean, I don't know many people that were fans. Yeah, I know a lot of people that jumped off, actually, at Justice, but... I can't think of anybody I know that liked him and that day that that stuck with it to hear. And I granted it was a whole new group of people, but uh, I have a couple people I know that'll it'll like the Black Elm. But these th- this you know this the uh, S and M, which was uh, I what, why <laughs> just you can't hear the symphony, and if you can, it just doesn't really fit. Uh, just is a bad idea. So there's that and the bad covers and. I think they just did a lot of harm. Unless you have suckers like me that still think they have something. Like, I know James has something in his right hand that he can, you know, he can make that riff again kind of thing. But, yeah, I guess we got a little bit of it. Like I said, as good as we can expect. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what people listening think about how, if they think we're biased against these albums or being... Uh, overly judgmental if if for people who like this stuff uh, if they well it, like we keep saying it all comes down to James, the the way James chooses to sing these songs or is coached to sing them or however that happens is the is the worst part of it but most of these songs are pretty boring and generic anyways there yeah, are but... some decent moments yeah. here but I, I, but I think this fits in, like, if you look at this time, like, you mentioned Nickelback and Godsmack and what else was going on at that time. I could, see, <laughs> I could see people that are into that, that this fits into what they liked. Oh, sure. They well, like, yeah, Godsmack are just, like, a really lame extension of this kind of Metallica Well, stuff. they took them on tour, right? Yeah. I believe on the Black Elm, even. Maybe. Maybe it was after that. It was Maybe it was in that five-year period. But... You know, I could see that that's people like this and they like that, but I mean, you know, all that stuff that came off of of grunge, like grunge is responsible for some of the worst shit rock yeah. in the history of fucking music. <laughs> yeah. And I like a lot of like original grunge. Like I, you know, Soundgarden, I dig. I like Nirvana. You know, Nirvana's responsible for Bush and Silverchair. Right. Uh, Alice in Chains has got a lot to answer for, and I'm not as huge of an Alice in Chains, but I mean, at least I, like, if you sit me down with Alice in Chains, I'd be like, I get what's good about this. I understand sure. what is good about this. Like, yeah. that other stuff that just ripped that off, Bush, uh, yeah, all of that stuff, it's like, yeah, this is just a ripoff, and not, you know, done by competent musicians, but not done well, as far as songs and, and how it is, and it's just like, I, it's like, I think this is what I hear. And then make it. I'm like, you're missing the point. Like, you don't, you know, you don't get what's going on at all. But I think this fits in with, you know, that whole 90s, mid 90s wave of rock that people like that. I just, you know, that's when I was just kind of like, dude, what happened? to, You know, I think that's I leaned heavily into the into the into what was then the indie rock scene, you know, whatever, uh, more obscure, less hard rock, sound, like Archer's a Loaf or something like that kind of built to spill things than than the rock because this kind yeah. of stuff which is like boring like i'm like this is so played out that you know it's bad company with uh 90s production kind of thing almost like, <laughs> yeah. like i find i i just i am i find bad company completely one of the most dull bands in the history of music yeah i don't like bad company at all <laughs> uh, 
And I'm, um, a, I've, you know, I love most seventies rock or a lot of seventies rock, but nope, bad company. You don't do well, it for me. And I can tell you, like free, I get it. I'm not a huge free fan, but I get why people like free. I don't understand. You know, there's bad company and then foreigner and all that kind of what they called corporate rock or whatever at the time. But that's that. I mean, that's what Nickelback and and all that stuff is to me. It's just like that boring plotting shit with a '90s production drop detuning. Yeah supposedly grunge saved us from this horrible hair metal thing but no one could convince me that all the stuff that came after grunge wasn't way worse no i prefer like i don't care give me mar uh give me whatever south gang i'll take that over creed yeah exactly and I, don't like south gang. Yeah. I think it's trash but fuck at least i can listen to it and yeah i you mean know. fucking uh three doors down seven mary three with you know uh, that fucking stuff that came after you're gonna tell me that you know, Seven Mary Three is better than Warrant and has more credibility or whatever. Right. I mean, give me a break. No, I and I actually, you know, I have a new theory on this whole thing that grunge didn't actually kill. Grunge may have kind of killed it, but grunge didn't replace pop metal. Pop punk replaced pop metal. Like right. the goofy, it's goofy, it's fun. There's like girls stuff in it. And yeah, Blink One Eighty Two and Some Forty One and shit. Yeah, it, it, even Green Day. Yeah. Like it's it's more fun. It's upbeat. It's you know, snotty kind of thing. Um, there's you know whatever that punk rock look to it. Um, and I think that's what actually ended more hair metal. I think grunge just stopped if thrash was ever going to be any bigger than it was. Because that's everybody I knew who listened to Thrash. We were so bored. I mean, I got bored of Thrash by, you know, whatever, 86. I'm already like, oh, shit, like another fast, you know, band that's got <laughs> 100 riffs that aren't real good, you know. And so, you know, that other stuff, you know, it's like I'm looking for something else. And it was like, the, you know, the Nirvana record uh, was 90. But uh, Soundgarden uh, was like 87, 88, you know, stuff in there. It's like, oh, this is interesting. This is like Black Flag and... Um, Sabbath smashed together kind of thing so it was like interesting and I think that kind of I think grunge had a lot more with like and not that thrash was ever going anywhere but it surely made that diminish uh, unless you were Slayer or Testament um, right well when you sell as many copies as the Black Album sold and then Load sells 5 million one way of looking at that is it was a failure <laughs> Well, that's how the record industry looks at it. But right. I mean, that's like that's even, how capitalism looks at it. You know, every yeah. year you have to yeah. make more money. Growth. Right, right, right. Which I find insane. So then, if well, you if you made two hundred million last year and you make one hundred eighty million this year, you lost twenty million instead of you made one hundred eighty million. And so, right. yeah, and that's <laughs> well, like but that, the, that, that's like think of any band after anybody. I don't even think here it's a pop artist after they sell. You know, they hit that weird diamond number, that right. weird ten million number. Yeah. They're always the next record's always five. You know what? What's after um, Hysteria? Adrenalize. Yeah. I mean, right. Hysteria sold twenty-five million copies, and then Hysteria uh, Adrenalize is maybe two million, I think. Yeah. But I th I think there's just a thing like, what do you do after selling that many records? Like, where do you go? You you either redo that record, right? You just remake it, which Metallica didn't want to do, but kind of keeps those elements. When you're already set for life then you don't have that fire and that drive that you had when you were young. And also Metallica did something that almost no band can ever do, which is invent the whole genre of music. <laughs> yeah. Where do you go from that? Right. 
And it's so weird that Metallica became like the music for jocks. Like they went from the oh. the dirtbag, long haired well, jean jacket guys to now this is for the backwards hat. <laughs> you yeah, know. and I mean that's definitely. I think it's with Metallica. There's definitely part of that. They were my band. Ugly dudes, zits all over their face <laughs> on the back cover. You know, and it was like music. And I, you know, I remember playing it for my metal friends, and they're like, "Dude, this this is how. That's how I got into punk rock and hardcore." Because I played it for a lot of metal dudes, and they're like, "This is too fast. This is like punk hardcore." And I'm like, "Oh, that must be good." So that's why I went <laughs> yeah. direction because I was like, "It must be good if that's what if that's what this sounds like." Um, but you know, is that inventing a genre is like Metallica is one of those records. Kill 'Em All is one of those records that I heard and I was like, "I have been waiting my entire life to hear this record. This is exactly what I wanted to hear at the exact point of time." And they're one of the few bands that did it twice because Ride the Lightning. I felt the exact same way about like this is exactly what I've been waiting to hear. Right? They did that leap from that first to the second record kind of a thing. Um, so that probably has you know a lot to do with like, dude, they change, but. I think honestly, this stuff isn't real good. But like I said, I could be just biased because I was such a super fan before. So the idea behind yeah, this, what's what's the, what's the layout here? Yeah, yeah, sorry. the idea behind <laughs> this episode. Well, just I was trying to think of things I could do as I was bringing the podcast back from an extended hiatus, and I thought, well, my most popular episode ever was the Black Album episode. At least that was the one with the most downloads. So do a sequel (laughs) to the most popular episode ever, and that would be, of course, Load. And, of course, (laughs) at the end of the Black Album episode, I had you on to to defend the Black Album because me and Dave just shit on it the whole time. So I thought I should have a... uh, the opposing viewpoint on yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah so i you know i thought it would be fun to force you to <laughs> come out here and, and talk about load actually i i don't think me and dave were as vitriolic against load as we we were it's more sad <laughs> it, i think load makes us more sad where the black album made us more angry i don't know if we were angry but it's like load it it took them five years to get to this and it's like how do they end up here where they are hardly even there's no thrash metal really it's barely even heavy metal they're trying to do classic rock with their guitar tone still intact somehow like that's that's the goal i think yeah a lot of the guitars sound great Um, yeah oh yeah absolutely album or albums load i think (laughs) sounds better than reload on oh, a lot of absolutely. it i i mean i think people will go back and realize that reload and at some point the band will probably admit to this too it's like the narrative the hot in the shade has like it's just glorified demos yeah and that's why that's why it's i mean the material's just not there i would say the fan narrative is pretty accurate on load versus reload i i would like maybe lift two songs if that off of reload and put onto load and take two songs off you know flip them but that that's it reload's so fucking bad better than you was the only song in reload that i was like this one's all right (laughs) you know a lot of the songs aren't great on these albums but the real issue is the vocals that's the worst part Hmm. it's well produced and well mixed like it's it's a stellar production for sure but 
in the production sense of picking songs, there's some failure there for sure. Oh, yeah. And also just edit the fucking thing. Like I get yeah. we're in the CD era and mine, I don't know if you remember this, if you still have the original CD of this, the hype sticker actually did the 7859 clock yeah. on the sticker. I never bought this, but yeah, the, <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah, there was a time that was something to brag about. What, but. Yeah. <laughs> so when you bought it, when it came out, did you like it? Uh, it was one of those, it's kind of like, I, I equate it to paying your money to go see a movie with somebody instead of going to see it by yourself. Were you surprised by what it sounded like or was it kind of what you expected or... I expected it. I expected it to sound with all the aspects besides the country song, which surprised me. But I guess I wasn't too surprised because of what they did on the previous album with Nothing Else Matters and The Unforgiven. I just thought, okay, well, everything's kind of taken to the extreme without being extreme on the overall basis. So I'd already heard Until It Sleeps. And I think Ate My Bitch had hit radio maybe by the time I bought the album the day it came out. But we'd also had heard 2x4 because it got bootlegged. Uh, her, in my local rock station actually played a bootleg version of 2x4 on their mandatory Metallica hour one night, mm-hmm. and I recorded it and listened to it a lot. So I expected, okay, we're going to have some Sabbath jams on here, you know? And, you know, but it was things like King Nothing, which is just a straight-up bad sequel to Inner Sandman. Everything about it is just a retread uh, and then I thought trying to recreate certain like the hero hero of the day has never done anything for me from day one and ki- the fact that you got King Nothing and Hero of the Day back to back I'm sure some people are like oh this is great but it's just like I don't even need those songs on there if it had gone from Until It Sleeps to Bleeding Me and you have like a 10 song record I'd be like okay this is pretty damn interesting I- I'm going to say just looking at it and I'm just staring at the track listing here I could probably defend a third of this album, so I still like a third of this. But man, there's so much filler on it for me. And yeah, you know what the fuck do I know? I haven't heard it like top to bottom in a couple of years. But my memory of it, like the best parts about it for me, are definitely just going to the shows. They still sounded like a good live band, despite the fact that yeah, it was very clear that James's vocals had changed. But you know go watch the show that I was at. I was I, I did see him on Lollapalooza, by the way. The first time I saw him on this tour was at Lollapalooza after a great day of music, and they didn't suck. And so who else was on that Lollapalooza? Uh, so who I saw that day, I saw the Cows. I'm trying to go in order here. I saw the Cows, and they were, they were fun. The cool little freak band on AMRAP. Yeah. Uh, and the Melvins were there. So the Melvins. Ben Folds, five going off memory uh, there was that band Psychotica that was supposed to be big they were the openers on the main stage Psychotica uh, I don't even remember what that is yeah it was, it was, uh, it was like a glam rock post Manson kind of glam rock more bright looking you know really? like in Pat- Patrick Bridge, uh, Patrick Briggs was his name he was like a scenester from New York City god I don't even remember a, this at all <laughs> yeah they, they got they got a deal on Deaf American mm-hmm. uh, American Recordings I guess and they were supposed to be kind of one of the next big things and this was like a big feature for them to get the opening slot on La Palooza that year and it just didn't do anything for them I like the record okay they put out and they had a good EP preceding that but anyway 
Uh, Screaming Trees after that, which was a good yin yang, <laughs> went from mm-hmm. like glam shock to like this, the 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 most real Seattle band besides the Melvins, you know. And they were fine. Uh, the, there was a surprise band on each stop, so our surprise act was Steve Earle, straight out of prison. Oh, okay. uh, other other cities got Cheap Trick, for instance, and right. uh, Devo, and Devo, uh-huh. like and Rage Against the Machine. And so Steve Earle, after hearing these rumors of who it could be, was you know, I like Steve, but it was a disappointment in a sense. Like, yeah, sure. oh, oh, okay, especially at that point where my ears weren't going to appreciate a Steve Earle and it, I just saw it as a band that you know my parents would listen to you know that kind of thing but over the years like I said I like them more now uh, but of course the last Ramones run you know that was okay, their right, last run was right. on so and then before that was Rancid so uh, and then Soundgarden and then Metallica that's what I saw that day so um, I think Metallica also had a good fortune of playing after uh, Soundgarden because Soundgarden was on the verge of breaking up and they were just mailing it in. That was a good day. It was 108 on the field in the in the height of summer in Texas at a farm. So yeah, but then Metallica comes out. They open up with a Detroit Rock City. They had fireworks going off uh, over the stage, and then they stopped playing Detroit Rock City after about 30 seconds. And then James was like, "You wanted the best. You got the best." Ha ha ha. And then they play their show. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the show. It was so they opened up with a false kiss opening, which you know I I read that they covered Detroit Rock City like you know here and there, especially when they played Detroit, they would play it in full. So I thought we were gonna get the whole song. So that was a little bit of like a ah, little bait and switch. It was a good show, but I remember the second one more because it was about a year and a half later in Fort Worth, and I was at the Cunning Stunts taping. So I was there at night two, and you're gonna love this as much as you love this album, Load BJ. Lars comes out and talks to the crowd with the band on stage before the lights go out. And he goes, hey guys, you know, uh, we recorded last night. We're recording for a home video tonight. We just want to let you know we fucked up video on five songs last night. So you're going to hear five random songs twice tonight. So you're going to get more song or you're going to get a longer show. But we're literally going to play five songs back to back at one point. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, okay. So, you know, lights go out, they do their show. But the five songs that we got, I think were all load songs or yeah. something like that. Like, it seemed like at least four out of the five. And I know one of them was like Hero of the Day. And that was like, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even like Hero of the Day after you're at twice now. And I think King Nothing was the same way. Like, it was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> so, but it was wild, man. They, they knew exactly where to go like at the end of each song like they clearly had a place that they were doing it so they could so it could match it was I was like wow these guys are pros they've been doing it this long that they can just go right where they were start the song again <laughs> it's like wow yeah. but it was cool like if you've seen that video it's a cool looking show it's got great stuff it's one of those in the round shows and I never got to see him in the round so those are, I have good memories of Load, so I'm happy that it kind of exists based on just kind of the shows we got. But yeah, at the same time, like you know, when they were being repressed uh, on the Black and Label recently on vinyl, I didn't feel the need to own Load. So I guess I have a, a rating system in my head in that sense. Where is it vinyl worthy? And so I, I do not consider it to be vinyl worthy. And Reload even less. I could can't even remotely defend reload 
How calculated do you think they, how much of the motivation behind Load do you think was selling records? Do you think, like Hero of the Day sure seems like we're, we're trying to create a radio hit. It doesn't seem yeah. like there's much motivation behind it beyond that to me. Yeah, straight up. I mean, even with that heavy section in the middle and having the jokey video, which wasn't really anything that they had done before. I'm not saying that you're not allowed to do that, but everything about the execution of Hero of the Day for me was very off-putting. I think that might have been like a big shark jump moment for me. Yeah, no, everything was calculated. Bringing back Bob Rock, of course, calculated. I mean, you repeat, trying to repeat all the success of the Black Album. Yeah, it made sense. What they should have, they should have uh, gone the full nines and and kept it to twelve songs max. I guess they did what they wanted to do. It, it's hard to speculate on some of these things because I wasn't there. It's not my band, but I I just don't think that there's enough people that hold this album in any kind of reverence, even all these years later. No. And the Black Album, I think, gets... The Black Album was almost more of a cultural event at this point, it seems, Mm -hmm. than... I mean, yes, it's an album, it exists, it has songs, but it represented something, and to be a cultural narrative will give your album all the life it ever needs for forever. Thriller's the same way. Thriller's not a super strong album, in my opinion. It's got some some good, well-produced songs on it, but so does the Black Album. But these are all cultural events. Load was just going to be... Load is just kind of another Metallica album now. Like, and not even that good of one. Yeah, they're not, they're not metal gods anymore. They're, not, they're barely even metal at this point. Am I supposed to defend this? Am I, was I supposed to come on and defend this record? No. You're, <laughs> you're just on so it's a sequel to the... <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, gotcha. So I don't think there are very many defenders of Load out there i think it's definitely it's one of those things that is very much of its time and in retrospect you only see all the problems <laughs> but i'm sure there are a lot of people who were kids when load came out who it's still they still love it because it's what they grew up with or whatever so i feel bad for the people that thought man what a cool fire cover oh no it's just someone's jizz Give me fuel, give me fire, give me jizz. I'll be back. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett. 
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 